0: Basis, though, does that mean that you typically don't like hate Supreme Court of Canada judges? <laughs> I, <laughs> How yes. often have you read a judgment thinking this is not clear at all? What
1: is Yeah. Happening? Yeah, and my sisters hear it all the time. I'm like, "Oh my god. Do you know what this judge did? <laughs> they just like flipped the test, everything we know, it's gone." But a second hand.
0: Welcome to What's Law Got To Do With It? A lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm
2: Professor Richard Haig. And I'm 3L law student Felicity Redan.
0: Felicity, same old steel. Richard. Same old
2: steel. Same old steel. You know, I'm pretty actually, you know, a little shinier steel today. And that's because it's reading week next week. And I'm, I I don't know how that happens so fast, but I'm very excited about it.
0: Reading week is always something to look forward to, right?
2: Mm.
0: Yes. Not that you will read. Alright, we'll oh, be doing none of that. No, oh. <laughs> absolutely no reading. No,
2: okay. it it's is, nice to have a little breather. <laughs>
0: it's, it's such a misnomer. They really should change the name from Reading Week. What well, here's my question to you: What would you call it if you if you had to change the name from Reading Week? What would you give
2: it? Summary Week, maybe. <laughs> it's when it's usually when I start my summaries. Okay. This week, this year, I think it'll be Sleeping Week. Okay. <laughs>
0: so maybe each year it could be different. I noticed mm-hmm. not not a holiday week though, that was
2: good. Not a holiday. Well, not this year. Not yeah. this year. I think it normally in 3L it would be a bird week, uh, but not so much not so much this, year, this year because time. I'm still gonna stare at the same four walls.
0: Yes. Okay. Still, that's all right. You're right. It's only a. It's less than a week away. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well on we go as always and on we ha- we have a guest as always as well. So I would love to introduce Hafsa to you and let Hafsa it- complete the introduction and tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Well, um, I'm currently a 1L student at Osgood Hall. Um, Professor Richard was my criminal law prof um, in the fall term. Um, a little bit about myself. I was born and mostly raised in Mississauga, Ontario. Um, I say mostly raised because I moved to Saudi Arabia when I was 10 and kind of came back when I was 15. Um, and I finished my high school here and then applied to university. I got into the University of Waterloo for legal studies and business. I did three years there, so I didn't uh, before I applied to law school, Um, I got into law school, so I didn't do my fourth, and I, so I don't have my bachelor's degree, Um, and yeah, here I am. So, like, not academic-wise, a little bit about me would be, um, I love to play games, so any kind of games, board games, sports, video games, Um, so yeah,
2: I just like having fun. (laughs) Did you like the this is a weird question but the logic games on the lsats i did that was actually my favorite portion
1: Um,
0: your favorite part
1: yeah it was my favorite part i love puzzles i love those kind of games like escape rooms and it really felt like and i love math too because i see it like as a game so the logic games portion of it was very were very fun
0: for me i guess (laughs) oh that's good that's good yeah, you, so that's your, your mini resume you've just given us. That's good, better than <laughs> yeah. not, so many guests don't tell us enough about themselves, and it's like pulling teeth. So thank you for uh, <laughs> for being open. And then of course, then that leads on to the next question, which you know well, Hafsa and and how uh, well, what are you going to name as a favorite form of entertainment, TV movie that relates to law for you?
1: Um, 12 angry men. I will always say 12 angry men to that question. Um, and I've gotten a lot, of course, um, with legal studies and business as my background.
0: Let's take two pieces of testimony and try to put them together. First, the old man in the apartment downstairs. He says he heard the boy say, I'm going to kill you. And a split second later, heard a body hit the floor. One second later, right? That's right. Second. The woman across the street swore positively. She looked out of the window and saw the killing through the last two cars of a passing elevated train, right? The last two cars. Well, what are you giving us here? Just, now, just a minute. We've agreed that it takes 10 seconds for a train to pass a given point.
1: Um, Twelve Angry Men will forever be my favorite law-related movie.
0: What is it about um, Twelve Angry Men?
1: It's just so good. <laughs> um, it's like the the cinematic appeal to it is is very great, and it's just the argumentation in it, and how they sort of tease out like the actual issues um, relating to the legal system um, and within the jury system as well. So I, I found it like really um, really well done, um, and I don't really see that in other law related um, uh, entertainment. Nowadays,
0: so I will always say 12 angry to that question. That's good. You were, uh, I don't know if you know, we had a podcast way back, early days, one of our first 10, I would say, and and the guest was a, a student, Michael McNeely, who's a film buff, and that was his choice as well. So it's, you're in good company if, <laughs> if you're with Michael <laughs> on that one. Uh, all right. Well, that's good. That gives us a good sort of sense of who you are. Uh, sh- Felicity, you want to go ahead or shall I go ahead? Or have we,
2: Well, I know? think that Richard has now given you two pieces of flattery, saying that you've had a good introduction and then such a good company for your movie <laughs> suggestion. And I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the reason he's giving you so much flattery is because he would like it in return. <laughs> because <laughs> what we're going to talk about here today is uh, sort of just the impact of of certain props, be that good or bad, and I think Richard's doing a bit of fishing. Oh,
0: wow. well, uh, I knew it was I, gonna happen right from the start, but go ahead. I no, that fun. was good,
2: right? <laughs> I did mention to,
1: to Professor uh, Richard in, in the email um, that uh, his criminal law course sort of reignited my passion for criminal law um I remember like uh from when I was younger like the the first moment that I realized I wanted to be a lawyer and anytime someone would ask me and that was like back in like grade school or middle school um anytime someone would ask me what kind of lawyer I'd be like criminal law I'd want to be a crown prosecutor even though I probably didn't know what that was at the time um and like I often got discouraged from it because like you know criminal law, like my parents were like, Oh, you're gonna, it's such a scary field, like thugs are gonna come after you, you're gonna always be in danger. Um, and like, they would always push for like, Oh, go into corporate law, go into like, you know, something safer, something nicer, something more stable. Um, stuff, stuff like that. So i came into law school with a very open mind. i um, thinking that, okay, I'm gonna explore all fields of law and like, really try and figure out where my passion lies. Um, instead of just basing it off of criminal law, which is all they kind of teach when you're younger and all you kind of see in the media, so I'm like, I want to really know what other forms of law are. Um, but then when I was in criminal law in the first semester, I'm like, this is this is the only thing that really makes sense to me, um, and it's it's um, something that I, like I'm still passionate about. So I'm like, this is this is it for me. I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do. Um, So So, it really did reignite.
0: So the worst you could say about me is that I did not ruin a passion that was already (laughs) existing. But the best is that you could say about me was that I reignited or I I cemented that passion in place. Yes, yes, for sure.
1: I think the discussions that we had in your class and the clarity in which you presented the course.
0: um, (laughs) Here's a flattery. By the way, I'm not doing any more.
2: (laughs) I think that's such a funny point because that honestly makes you would think that it's all about like what content is going to click. But in 1L, when like everything is just kind of like a tornado of thoughts Mm -hmm. and like it's just such a mess, just the clarity of Mm -hmm. a good prof can make such a big difference in how much you enjoy or don't enjoy subject matter. Mm -hmm. I think that goes for like everything as well. Like even when I was in high school, I
1: loved math. I, I only applied to math programs in undergrad, except that one for Waterloo. Um, and it was because of how clear all of my teachers were before then. And I would tutor students because like, I'm like, this is all you need. You just need clarity and then you'll love it. It's great. Yeah, So I,
0: I, yeah. I, I've, I fully subscribe to that view. I think back to my law school days and, and, I, and first year in particular. And I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I hated property law because my prof, I hate to say it. Nobody can trace who it was, but it was <laughs> terrible frankly terrible and uh, and then i hated commercial law in second year because the prof was terrible <laughs> uh, and yet the fond memories i have about law school typically you're right they connect with the prof who connected with me and that's not to say you know the other thing is i don't i you know some people have different opinions as to what is a good or a bad prof you, they have to resonate with you individually mm-hmm. i think right that's that's key
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another key thing is like clarity and clarity and communication. Um, If you're able to get the material to the students in a way that they understand it and like they can follow, um, that's the biggest thing. And like I've because I subscribe to that so much, like I try and fill in any position, like mentor positions, tutor positions um, to try and like show people that, hey, it can be clear. You can like it um, for all the things that I personally like doing that other people might not like.
0: On that basis, though, does that mean that you typically don't like, hate, dislike, whatever words you want to use, all you Supreme Court of Canada judges? (laughs) (laughs) How often have you read a judgment thinking this is not clear at all? What is going
1: on here? yeah. Yeah, and my sister's hear it all the time. I'm like, oh my God, do you know what this judge did? They just like flipped the test. Everything we know, it's gone so yeah i would i would say
2: yeah clarity for me
1: is the biggest biggest thing and although so i like do feel doesn't. like
2: sometimes like if there's a, you read a couple cases in a row that you're like what in the world is going on <laughs> then it, it like really makes you appreciate the good ones mm-hmm. so maybe that's also true with props like you need one or two bad ones <laughs> <Yeah>. to, <laughs> to really appreciate the you good have ones. no idea
0: what is good until you you hear it or mm-hmm. something that's why all students love Denning, I think, partly because uh, you know his his openings are always so story-like and clear that he just leads you along. When no. I when I was in law school, uh, most of the profs would say, "Oh well, Chief Justice Laskin or former Chief Justice Laskin was the is the best judge Canada's ever had." If you try, there's not a single judgment of Laskin's that's clear in my view. I I, I could never understand why they thought he was the best judge, and then I'm convinced they think he's the best judge because. He's not clear, and so he, he sounds intelligent, but he's actually. Oh, you know,
2: that's the lawyer's like (laughs) bread and butter, because then you can argue whatever you want with a straight face afterwards.
0: Yes, it's all. Not so helpful in a prof. Obfuscation uh, is—it's amazing how people think that that can be a sign of intelligence. Where, uh, but uh, you know, and it could be, but it could equally be a sign of just yeah cloudiness, cloudy thinking. You have to be able to cut through both of that, both those types.
2: I did have, well, that reminds me, like, there's, I had this one prof that it was, he was, like, a joint prof. There were several profs for this one class, and it's, that's hard, I think, ever. That's just a challenging thing, and you could just tell this guy was, like, too smart to teach. He was, like, a <laughs> practitioner prof, so, like, not used to lecturing, I don't think, and, like, there was times when he would just, like, stand in front of the class and scroll through huge decisions, and, like, just on the screen that he has the case pulled up, and it's just, like, speed scrolling through, and, kind of rambling about it and like you could tell that it made sense to him and that he was so smart but it was like a crazy genius situation I was like I have learned nothing I don't know what's going on
0: right so hopefully I I, think did, a lot... I didn't do that for you Hafsa did I, I was... no
2: no no it was it was nice and clear and like the
1: discussions were really great as well <laughs> but um I think a lot of the things that students say about some profs is that this prof is very smart but Like, and like this prof is so smart. They know so much about their material and like, they're so excited about their material and students can feel that right. When a prof is like really excited about their material, but like sometimes like translating that to the students is very difficult because they know so
2: much about the material and everyone else is kind of a beginner. (laughs) Right. So, so with that in mind, do you have any advice then for people who sit in a class and are suddenly faced with a prof that is too smart, shall we say, to keep Richard happy? <laughs> <laughs> um, personally, I, I'm i a very,
1: like, I, I self studied a lot. <laughs> so maybe my advice won't resonate with a lot of people. But um, anytime I'm faced with a professor like that, I'll, I'll go to the classes and I'll listen to what they have to say. But I'll make sure that I'm um, making myself sort of understand and follow along either before or after the lectures. Um, just so like all of the excitement kind of is filtered through what I know. And like, I can pick up on things that I'm supposed to understand. Um, So before and after, and definitely before the exams, I'll be like combing through the material, making sure I'm organizing it in a way that I'm excited about it. And in a way that, you know, makes sense to me. And like talking to other students as well is like the biggest thing that that I feel Zoom has kind of cut out. You feel so alone when you're, when you don't understand something that the prof is saying. But then you realize, like when you're talking to other students on Zoom, that like nobody actually understands.
0: And, that, um, and that's okay then, right? You're all yeah. Then it. it becomes
1: a bit more okay because then you can talk it over, and I think I learned a lot um, from the students as well uh, in my criminal like law course. After we finished our summaries and we were discussing the material, there was so much that was coming out that was like, oh my god, like that's so clear, like now, like now that we've discussed it, and we went to Professor Haig as well. Um, and sort of clarified a lot of different points, and he's like, "You guys are going too far into it." <laughs> I remember him saying, "Like you're you're thinking too much about this. This is not that important. <laughs> um, like think of That's it." It's honestly
2: like, most of law school. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I remember it and being like, oh, "Okay, maybe I should take a step back." <laughs> it was it's hard. A lot of it's fun. hard
0: for me to say that because I don't want to discourage students, but it's at the same. I just can see that your brain is going. You're going in too deep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think let me let me ask both of you this um, when when you when you can really see a prof who's energized and passionate and is just getting all excited about, a let's say, a specific component of a course, do you think to yourself, "Ooh, that's this is going to be on the exam? This is something this prof really cares about. So I really need to focus in on that. Does that make a difference for you?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, if like. If a professor is going into a lot of detail about something and bringing in their own personal opinions about it, like, oh, hey, this is a decision that um, a judge made and I don't agree with it or like if and they give a lot of reasons for that. This happened a lot in my torts class. Um, and you have to like really take in the, like what their personal opinions are and what they think about it um, and why. And I think that translating that into like exam papers of like you know explaining oh hey this this desi- like this decision exists and this is why you know there there might be you know these these are the criticisms for it right or these are what's what's good about it right so really understanding the professor's um, takes on uh, judgments or on material like I feel like really can translate to when you're you know
2: writing an exam. That's good. Where's I have it? I have like a two-part answer to that, and my first part is like kind of, like I I have notoriously bad predictions of what I think is going to be on the exam. Like last semester, there was two courses that I was like, so sure there was going to be a policy question in each course. I was like, this course is going to have a question about this. And this course is going to have a question about this. And I was, I could not have been farther off. Like they were so heavily talked about and the prof just like, didn't Didn't. touch on it anywhere near anywhere near it in the exam so I spent like a lot of time thinking about these sort of like nuances and picking apart the case law and the prof's opinions um and then that ended up being useless (laughs) for the exam I guess um and then just on the to pick up on the second part there of what you said that like you have to understand what your prof says I think that's true except that like if you have a good enough prof you can also get to the point where you can understand the prof's perspective and then like where you differ from it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, I and think we, that's like a very different level of understanding. Mm-hmm, like right. to be able to understand like, oh, I see why the prof sees it that way is very different from like, and here's why they're wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I mean, I, I can't speak for every prop, but I think most of us would feel that way. That I love it when students take me on effectively, <laughs> right, and say, you know... <laughs> without you don't have to personalize it you just say this is uh you, you you in a policy ang- answer you just kind of take the opposite tack or you you find problems or holes with the, the professor's argument it's great actually i love that um so uh, on felicities, i i have to say yeah my recommendation for students would be don't try to predict a prof yeah <laughs> i mean there's some who probably are predictable but i don't you know, I wouldn't assume it, and I agree that if I and I did this in in AFSA's class a few times this year, because after ever, after the lecture, I said to myself, "Wow, I was I was ranting. I was really, I was really keyed up on that." And then I say to myself, when it comes time to write the exam, I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go anywhere near that because I don't want to hear the same. I don't want to hear students or see students write about basically what I ranted about. I just don't want to see that again. Um, I'd rather kind of test them on something that was maybe a little less self-evident, so that can you know that's exactly why I, I, I can see it not working when you try to predict based on intensity of passion mm-hmm. <laughs> in any given point. But yeah, I don't
1: even I don't think I've ever predicted what's been on it. Like I, that's not something that I stress about at all um, because I know I'm going to be wrong. Um, but I know to like just take in what the professor has been saying about the various issues and just their personal takes on it, just so I can have a bit more background on those issues, just in case they come up on the exam. But yeah, I, I feel like I've never, ever in my life tried to predict yeah. what's, what's going to be on an
0: exam. I didn't. I didn't either. But yet I know colleagues of mine at law school who would walk out of an exam and say, oh, I aced that. I actually had a pre-written answer for the very question that was asked. And I always thought to myself, what? I, I just write. I like to go into an exam being prepared for anything and everything, as mm-hmm. opposed to saying, oh, I'm going to pre-write an answer or two. Cause you're right. If you get it wrong, you've wasted all that time. And you may have missed something. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend that. That's,
2: that's what I always worry about is that people have really different opinions about this. And some people love writing pre-written answers and I hate it mm-hmm. because I just think like, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And so if you've got this like beautifully written answer and the question is like not exactly that, and you try and force it in, like you're just Mm going to get a B (laughs) and you can write a B answer in an exam. You don't need to pre-write it. Anytime,
0: (laughs) anytime. You're absolutely right. If, if it's right on point, your pre-answer will get you an A I'm sure, but the chances of that happening are slim. So I, uh, there, I get. we're, we're giving some great advice out in the world there for, respective students I think of course as I say some some people would we should we need to get somebody on the podcast Felicity who does the (laughs) pre-writing and has been successful at it to see how that all works
2: I did like a session in the last exam so Ryerson doesn't have any upper years so they brought in like upper years from other schools to like teach like walk them through a practice exam and I did a session with someone and there was like two other upper years and it was that. It was like the one woman was like, "I have pre-written answers for everything." And then I got on and I was like, "Don't do that." <laughs> it was like I felt so bad for these poor one else who were probably like head spinning and had no idea.
0: Uh, gotta get. Used I think to I that. had.
1: I think I had a pre-written answer for for torts, but only because she told us what was going to be on it. Uh So she told us that, hey, there's going to be negligence and there's going to be nuisance. (laughs) So like there's a formula for each of them that you follow. So I was like, okay, so I'm just going to write out what I need to put on this test and sort of fill in the details based on the facts, right? So I think it only really works if you are sure (laughs) of what's going to be on the test. And if there's like a specific step-by-step like formulaic way that you actually need to do like need to write the answer out. But other than that, I can't imagine it.
0: And you're right. That's a, that's a kind of exceptional circumstance where you are given a a, a, kind of a hint or advice in the beforehand as to what's going to happen. The other situation where you'd never want to do that is obviously where the closed book exams and some profs do closed book exams, right? It's not uncommon in law school. It used to be, I think more uncommon than it is nowadays, even, um, where you can't, yes, so you can't really gain much from pre-writing anything. Have you had any closed book exams, either of you? No.
2: (laughs) Well, they wouldn't have had any this year because it doesn't make any sense to write from home with a Mm -hmm. closed book, but I have, yeah. Um, And I actually, I don't hate it because I think it like causes you to focus on the actual analysis rather than like what's the exact case name or the exact way the court said this. Mm -hmm. And it just, if you only have three hours and you're trying to make it through like fact patterns really quickly. It just, it, I think it kind of makes you focus on the right things. Uh, but it is a, kind of a nightmare to study for a closed book logs. exam. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's. I I know that students typically don't like it. Or and then there's the hybrid, right? You can bring in three pages or of notes or something like that, or a cheat sheet or something. Yeah.
1: I think in undergrad, I preferred closed book exams <laughs> for the same reason that you mentioned philosophy Fel- Like, you're you're forced to study a bit a bit more. Um, and you kind of internalize like a lot of the a lot of your notes. And I think it produces better answers when you're not like trying to go through all of the material that you have like in your summary and whatever, um, and trying to come up with answers from from your summary. Um, but no, I, and I think like we we've had like even um, not just not closed book exams, but we've had like longer exams too, right? So like the six hour one, for criminal law, the eight hour one for, for contracts. And like, I, I'm, I don't like to say it, but like, I spent like all six hours just going through it because like, you know, I had that anxiety in my head, but okay, what if I miss something? I have like, you know, have to make sure that I covered all of the material. Um, and like, you know, walk myself in a room for six hours for one exam, the next day, eight hours for the next exam. (laughs) I'm just going through my summary, um, and going through my notes trying to figure everything out. So,
0: I, lear- yeah. I learned my lesson this year, which I should have known in advance. Cause, so I don't know if Felicity knows this, but obviously Hausa <laughs> does. I, I thought I wrote a three-hour exam and I, said, and I gave the times and said, this will take three hours, but I allowed a six-hour period mm-hmm. because of Zoom and problems that people might have with blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's a single student that took three hours to write that exam. To- <laughs> and, and everybody complained that it was a six-hour exam. But my view is that law is like that. Law will always expand to fill the space allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you could have written that in three hours, right? But since you had six hours, you you took six. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: I I had an exam that was was three days (laughs) once. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you have more time to work through it. But Mm -hmm. I, I had an exam once that was three days and it did not go well. And I could have written, I, I'm convinced that if that exam had been three hours, I would have written a better exam. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: is that? Did you spend the full three days on it?
2: I spent the full three days and it was a garbage exam. <laughs> like, it was not good. There was like a word limit, which I don't love in an exam. Cause like, I know some profs like it cause it doesn't cause you to just ramble. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's like my, it. my, but,
0: my friend who is a Supreme Court of Canada barrister, basically that's all he does is appellate work. And he, if it weren't for filing deadlines, and actual court set dates, he would still be working on the first case he was ever assigned back in 1999. Because it, it, everything, he, he always works right up to the very last second for every case. Uh, and I think that's kind of endemic to law practice in general.
2: And I think we're probably close to coming up on time. Yes, so I are. just want to, I feel that we should wrap this up with at least a little bit of a. We're saying that this sounds probably kind of scary to somebody who hasn't done law school exams or who has only done law school day exams in a pandemic and maybe doesn't isn't used to regular ones. Um, so a couple of things, they're not that bad. Once you've done one, once you've done a couple that it, it becomes a lot easier, you figure it out. And then the second thing that I think we should really just stress here is that it's okay to mock up a couple exams. It's okay to do badly on a few courses. It is not gonna change the course of your career. It's fine. That's right. You can make up for a bad mark. <laughs> uh,
0: pretty much everybody does. Uh, so I, my worst, I, I, I didn't do well in property law in <laughs> first year, but I'm a law prof now. So obviously I managed to, you know, avoid that one poor mark and, and do well. It's true. It, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, that's good. Felicity is always, she's really great at uh, making sure we end on a nice sunny note, which is the point of this exercise. Um, uh, and yeah, we, we probably do have to sign off. So Hafsa, I hope, uh, I'll say, I ha- I should have been saying this to every guest. I, I, I can't remember if I have, but every guest this year, anyways, is that I hope to see you someday because <laughs> it's been odd teaching somebody and only knowing about them in two dimensions. Um, so, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Sharing and... so
2: much good advice for someone who's only done one semester of law school. <laughs> yeah well, you,
0: it's true i i this is going to be the the episode where people really learn a lot techniques strategies all of that and it is thanks partly to you so and thank you I, guys for having you me. didn't you didn't uh yeah i didn't have to yeah i well, <laughs> i don't even what i'm gonna say i was so worried you did
2: the adequate amount of fishing yeah the, the okay. appropriate is, amount. Is, is reasonable
0: amount and i did not seek yes too much in the way
2: just one last compliment for you there richard you're good at figuring yeah. out the right amount of fishing
0: thanks that's that's a good way to end it. all right <laughs> so take care see you <laughs>